gun When I wanna spit game at a soccer mom I get it quicker than the left lane and the Audubon Fast, like Ramadan Had to battle young Padawans all the damn day I'm getting naked and I'm hot on a rag of all so hot I got the motherfucker a la flambe I go to Miley's house I see that Miley's home I play Miley's ribcage with my dick like it's a xylophone Yes, that was highly fucked up But my skills are highly honed And if I was highly hyphy I might be more widely known Say la vie Better pay my fee They kick it in Seattle in a Patagonia jacket They get it in the bay in a plain white tee Hey mommy, hey, mommy. Yo P1T Wanna see me speak then I go Go, 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 go Tim, you know you might know me from, you know, some other bullshit. And joining us from Cast from Exile, who do we have? Howdy, homies. It is I, Sid Swami, back in the house one more again for another episode of Magic and Hash. And a man who helped take down that awful Paris climate agreement, John Holland. <laughs> Boy, I gotta tell you, what a week for winning, and we're not done winning yet. And a man who summers on Hoth. Jason. Roscom. What's up, guys? Uberslut here. A wise man once said, I'd rather have a bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. Yet today, I have both. Cheers. You guys, um... Uh seen any of these spoiled cards that are coming out there's gonna be a nickel bolas apparently 
Leave, hey. Wait, wait, wait. Before yeah. we uh, talk about Bolas, can I can I just say one thing real quick? Jason, Jason Roscom now, now has, has the, the floor. floor. Go ahead, Jason. The uh, the last time I was on here, we were talking about the new commander sets that might be coming out. We were talking about tribal, all that stuff. And I mentioned the possibility, hey, maybe they'll do a dragon tribal. And I think it was John who said, no, you're a fucking idiot. They'll never fucking do dragons. Why are you even on this show? And uh, lo and behold, dragons is one of the tribals that they've announced for that. So... I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, and, and I mean, have you seen... I mean, I know you've seen it, obviously, because you're bringing it up, but who boy. I mean, that's that's kind of a... I mean, I know they're calling it a tribal deck, but mother of God, would anybody play that thing straight out of the box? <laughs> who the hell knows? Well, Sid was right. Five-colored commanders, though. John, we, we call him Cold Water John around here. It stinks. Because whether he's right or wrong, he's totally down to throw cold water on your boner. If you get a boner for anything magic card related, John's right there with a fucking cup of icy cold water to fucking put that shit down. Hey, man, I live in reality. I don't live in this (laughs) magical fantasy land where everybody's like, oh, greatest commander set ever. Oh, my God, this new Bolas is going to be the greatest fucking planeswalker and the solution of all of our standard problems. I mean, y'all are on crack. So do you think that Scion of Ur-Dragon is going to be one of the commanders? Scion of the Ur-Dragon won Uberg for a 4-4 flying legendary dragon avatar. Two colorless. Search your library for a dragon card and put it into your graveyard. If you do, Scion of Ur-Dragon becomes a copy of that card until end of turn. Then shuffle your library. Because if so, there's a lot of people that are going to be pissed that they are about to have their Scion of Ur-Dragon cards go in the tank. Because that's like a fucking $20 commander. I think it's possible, but they've already printed at least one new five-color legendary dragon, so they may not need to, honestly, and kind of preserve some of the pricing of those previous printings. Yeah, given the value that they're that it looks like they're going for, I mean, like, you know, literally reprinting, what, most of the Dragon Lords? All of them? I mean, I, I don't think they can really put any value in the commander for that set, or else it would, you know, totally tip the set. What's the over-under on getting a Slivers deck in this commander uh, set? I want it so bad. But do you think they'll actually do it? I don't think so. Probably not. I think that might be a little bit too powerful. If, if they do, it's going to be all the M14 Slivers and maybe some of the weaker other ones. Yeah. So they probably wouldn't reprint any of the Slivers that have a symmetric effect. They would only reprint the Slivers that only buff and improve the slivers you control. Because I feel like Wizards thinks that people that play Magic are so stupid that they wouldn't be able to handle having a symmetrical Sliver Lord in their deck. I don't know. I mean, it is Commander. I mean, this it being symmetrical doesn't really hurt you too often. Well, and the beauty of the Commander product, too, is they can print brand new cards for these. And they have in the past, so they could just make a whole bunch of new slivers that are yeah, no, not symmetrical. I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say that the Commander team is probably the team that's most in touch with what the people want. And, I mean, you can almost hear the bitterness sometimes in some of the other uh, design people about how Commander is a totally separate thing and they have nothing to do with it. Shut up about Commander with uh, standard sets that get released. Hell yeah. So they accidentally... And how could you accidentally fucking spoil the two marquee Planeswalkers from the next set? 
Okay, that's such bullshit. That's like when a car dealership says, oops, we ordered too many cars just in time for our Memorial Day sale. I mean, come the fuck on. Yeah, it seemed really... Do you think somebody at Wizards got fired over that? Because, like, honestly, if if it's their, like, sworn duty to keep all spoilers hidden before spoiler season, let's face it, these are two huge fucking spoilers that we got pre-spoiler season. Should somebody be fired? I don't know, but doesn't this happen once a year? They have these massive leaks and everybody like gets their panties in a bunch and then it just kind of dies away once the set comes out. Well, I mean, come on. We're like, yeah. what? This got leaked like what? Inside of 60 days from the new set? You know, a um, little bit less than that. I mean, this this is clearly an intentional leak. You know, I don't think that uh, I don't think that anybody actually did anything wrong. This is all part of the plan. The last time I remember a league this huge happening is when, like, Aurelia the War Leader got spoiled, like, probably a good month before uh, spoiler season started. And, you know, like, spoiler season back in those days didn't start nearly as early, I feel. Well, also remember there was that time where, you know, it was like Judge Gate or whatever, where they fucking banned every, you know, level one plus out of Florida or whatever the fuck it was, because somebody went through and uh, took pictures of a whole bunch of shitty cards for, what was it, cons or something like that? I want to say it was like Battle for Zendikar around that block. Yeah, I think it might have been Oath of the Gatewatch, because I think it was the new Kozilek that they had spoiled that everybody got all crazy about. Yeah, Yeah, by the way... Even with Etherworks Marvel being around and Emrakul being banned, that guy still hasn't seen any play. What's up with that? I know. You think you'd be nice. cool because you could like dump cards out of your hand to counter spells, but well, bringing it back around, I mean, both of these cards got spoiled. I guess there was like a third one, some sorcery that nobody gives a shit about. Does anybody think that either one of these planeswalkers is actually going to make a dent in standard? Whoa, slow your roll there. First of all, that sorcery is pretty goddamn good. But the other planeswalkers, eh. I didn't even hear about the sorcery. What does the sorcery do? All right, it's uh, Bantu's Last Reckoning. It's one and two black, destroy all creatures, lands you control, don't untap during your next untap step. So it's a three mana board wipe, and you just don't untap your lands on your next turn. It's not a board wipe, though. It's destroy it, all creatures. Okay, yeah, how many creatures have got indestructible right now? Honestly, I don't know. I don't play standards, so... <laughs> Pretty much just the gods are the yeah. ones that people play, but there's a lot of recurrable ones, like Scrap Heap Scrap. Okay, the, 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 the gods and, like, half of the fucking gear hulks and shit. Yeah, the zombies, like, if you destroy them, they're just gonna be back next turn. Okay, so maybe this sorcery isn't that great. It could be good if you somehow just needed a board wipe and didn't need to leave any mana up to counter what they do on their next turn. Nah, yeah, I'm with John. Not, not think, good brother. Not I, good think, brother. I think you could see play modern. I don't know, it's a three-mana wrath. I mean, yeah, see, that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at it from a modern perspective. Yeah, but from a modern perspective, it's still sorcery speed, and then it leaves you completely open, and that's really... Uh, I mean, I hear you. Maybe it's a side... That and then card, modern, when you just play a Damnation... Yeah, you could just play Damnation. You just play it on yeah. turn f- four or five or six or whatever and have a few mana up. All right, well, you, you've talked me out of it, so it's it may not be that good after yes. all. Yes, Cold water, John, strikes again. <laughs> <laughs> squirt, squirt, bitches, squirt, squirt. I think. All right, yeah. let's talk about these Planeswalkers. Okay, so let's, uh, for the people at home, I, I'm pretty sure, Jason, you've got this page open. What does Nicol Bolas do? All right, How much so does he is, cost? Well, yeah, this is Nicol Bolas, God Pharaoh. He's four, a blue, a black, and a red, so four and Grixis. 
And he's got a plus two target opponent exiles from the top of his or her library until he or she exiles a non-land card. Until the end of turn, you may cast that card without paying its mana cost. Pretty decent for a plus two. Plus one, each opponent, each opponent exiles two cards from his or her hand. Minus four, Nicobolus deals seven damage to target opponent or creature and opponent controls. And then minus 12 for the ultimate, exile each non-land permanent your opponent's control. Goddamn. I am so... I have such a commander boner for this because I play Nekusar the Mind Razor and every single ability on this fucking card goes perfect with Nekusar. Well, Jason buried the lead on this because he starts off with seven counters on him. So you can fire that uh, negative four, you know, as soon as he gets in there and then you can get him back up pretty freaking easily while, you know, wrecking your opponent by making him exile too. So... If you can get away with it, you've got three solid turns with this guy. Yeah, but of course, I would imagine in Commander, this guy puts an immediate target on your back because his plus one, each opponent exiles two cards from his or her hand. That's pretty fucked up. Which means that it's only in home in a deck where you're prepared to fight against being a target. And when you play as Nekusar, as soon as you sit down and show what your Commander is, you're automatically a target. So your deck... <laughs> is going to be geared to playing that kind of plan, like a fucking turtle shell. Yeah. So Samu isn't going to see any play. I, 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 it looks like he could be cool, but it's just not worth any of the... Is that a he? Is it? She? Samu. Like I would call her. Samu... I'm pretty sure Samu's got titties. Yeah. You can never really tell these days, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with a she. All right, so well, let, let's go, go back wait, to Nicobolus real quick whoa, whoa, whoa. before we jump to Samuel. Okay, okay. Will Nicobolus see play in anything other than obviously Commander in the Nekusar deck? Never in Modern, I can tell you that for sure. Not going to be in Standard, because it's too much. You're never going to get to the point where you can cast it. I am thinking it is going to be in the Aetherworks Marvel deck. Unless they ban Marvel. So basically what you're telling me is if they ban Marvel, then I'll be able to get this card for on the cheap to put in my commander deck. I'm okay with that. I am now officially rallying for an Aetherworks Marvel ban. You gotta ban it. It's oppressive. It's ruining standard. Look, I don't even play standard anymore. Is it because of Aetherworks Marvel? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Ban it and let's find out. Well, also I think Aetherworks Marvel is going to get incredibly less powerful after this uh, rotation coming up where we fucking finally get rid of Zendikar. What does it use from Zendikar other than the uh, Eldrazi? I mean, it's mostly energy, right? Well, it's energy. I mean, just all that shit you can fling that you can pull out, put on, and then fling at somebody. The Eldrazi is the only thing that makes that deck playable. I mean, Ulamog is a serious fucking magic card. It has replaced even like Emrakul isn't banned in modern, but Tron plays Ulamog instead. He's just a very good card. Yeah, and can you even imagine if freaking Emrakul was still around in standard with Aetherworks Marvel? Jesus Christ. Hmm. Well, I think Green Black Delirium could maybe fight Aetherworks Marvel if, if, if it was around. Sid, you're our delirium guru. What do you think? Uh, delirium's not a deck anymore. It's not worth talking about. 
I miss Delirium, though. You know what? And fuck everybody for being so salty about Delirium. All it was was fucking Jund with no red. Do you think if you had Emrakul back, it makes that deck good again? Yeah. Have you noticed that it was the number one deck and then they banned Emrakul and it's nowhere anymore? Like, that was such a big part because Traverse the Uvenwald... Traverse the Uvenwald really was the linchpin of the deck because it lets you hit your land drops, and then when you were ready, it lets you go ahead and get Emrakul. But without Emrakul, Traverse the Uvenwald isn't even playable. Probably the most underrated card from that set. <clears throat> so, Samu, the tested. He's two, a green, and a red. He's a four loyalty planeswalker, Samut. Again, Up he's to- a he. She. <laughs> okay. Well, I was about to say. I you feel remember. like it's right. obvious that Samut's a woman. It's not like Ashiok, where maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Like I see Samut. Samut looks like a girl to me. All right, she's very fierce. Okay. Whoa, 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 whoa! You remember that movie, uh, fucking Stargate? You know, and how they had like the Pharaoh in that, and it was the dude from the Crying Game. Uh, a traveler from distant stars escaped from a dying world looking for a way to extend his own life. So that Rock. could totally be going on here. You could be thinking that it's a female, but maybe it's really a trap. It's a trap! Yeah, like genderless. Well, like uh, in 300, the, the pharaoh in that movie. You must be Xerxes. You would be nothing short of madness were you, brave king, and your valiant troops to perish. Well, we won't really know until we get her back to the hotel room. But anyway. Oh, okay, no. well, fucking... when, when John said it was a trap, make sure you put Admiral Akbar in that part, since we're going back to having sound effects. It's a trap! <laughs> Shut up and listen. <laughs> all right, so Samu plus one. I don't know those sounds. Plus one is up to one target creature gains double strike until end of turn. Minus two, Samut the Tested deals two damage divided as you choose among one or two target creatures and or players. And it's minus seven. Search your library for up to two target creatures and or planeswalker cards and put them onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Oh, shit, that minus two, man. That's fucking, that's hot right there. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, two damage. Split however you want. For half of her loyalty. Twin bolt. Get you. Yeah, that's fucking great. Yeah, this is this is a freaking enchantment masquerading as a planeswalker. Yeah, I mean, the minus seven, if you could finally ever get there, is okay. But, I mean, wouldn't you just rather play two planeswalkers or creatures along the way? Instead of trying to keep this thing alive? Yeah, I feel like the kind of deck that this would benefit from most is, like, a green-red, like, energy deck. And... In that kind of deck, you're not wanting to play Planeswalkers, unless they like reprinted Domery Raid, which was a Crete or which was a Planeswalker that was so obviously amazing with creatures that it was a linchpin in a lot of creature strategy decks. This feels like it would be too expensive and too clunky, and it's minus four just doesn't do enough to protect it. Now we don't know. Maybe at some point in future standard. That could be playable, but I feel like right now, not so much. What if there's like a, a teamer unblockable so that you you have like the the slither dude 
who's a 1-2 or a 1-1 or whatever in the new set. He's unblockable. And then you have you have the electrostatic pummeler. You have some ways to make things uh, unblockable. And then you have this shit to just give it double strike. You could fling. I mean, it sounds like a terrible deck. Never mind. This guy sucks. Wait, bad. Hold on, hold on. I got it. I got it. Okay, you play Oath of Gideon, turn three. Then you play her. She comes in with five loyalty. Then you only have to activate her three times to get her ult. No, she's bad. Yeah, well, the thing is about this card is that with the plus one, you know, you the plus one makes you want to attack with something or swing with something, but then you know you're leaving it open to attack it. And I mean, it's just so freaking stupid. It doesn't really protect itself very well. It, so it, I guess we're in agreement that this planeswalker is bad. Now, if it said until your next turn, a creature gains double strike, so you could use the double strike defensively on like a high power, low toughness creature, then maybe this would be worth it, but probably still not. At three mana, is this worth it? I still don't think so. No. <laughs> three, at, at three mana with mana dorks, one mana mana dorks in the format, it still probably wouldn't be worth it. You would probably just want to play the legendary Samu creature over the Planeswalker. I think okay, that one's no. pretty Oh, the creature, the creature is infinitely better than this card. Okay, what if the ultimate was like a minus five instead of a minus seven? Oh, I mean, we, could, uh, we could be talking, but it's still it's. Ugh. We could we could try to make this card good all day, but the fact is is that this is what we got, and this is gonna be like a fucking three dollar mythic until it rotates out of standard. Then it'll be like fifty cents. Yeah, it's gonna be hanging out with Arlen Cord in the dollar bin. Look for this in your holiday cube on MTGO. Okay, now if we're talking cube, if we're talking cube, then this is definitely something that you could play in cube. I'm just gonna put that out there. Like I would play this in cube, but I wouldn't play it in anything like standard or especially not modern. Never modern. Guys, even good in limited. Yeah. Oh, dude, if you got this in sealed, draft it. Yeah. Right. If you got this in sealed or draft, yeah, this is a bomb. This is a great card. Even in sealed or limited, or in sealed or draft, her middle ability, which seems super underwhelming, would be good. Yeah, I would just, I would just put all defensive creatures and just try to craft a board state where I can keep this live and keep like just digging creatures out of my deck. Yeah, but it's also contingent on the idea that there's no, you know, anger of the gods or any other kind of red board wipe type things in there. I mean, if there is, and at Mythic Rare or Rare, then you definitely take that over this. Yeah, well, okay, so if you opened a pack and it had this and foil, that sorcery that we were talking about earlier, which one would you take? I'd take the sorcery. I'd take the sorcery and let me Yeah, Bantu's Last Reckoning. I think that's playable. I mean, they said they weren't going to print four mana rats. They're like, here's a three mana one. Fuck you. Here's a three mana rat. Hey, technically, we're not liars. <laughs> Well, I think the best thing we can say about this card is it's not another Gideon. That's the truth. How many Gideons do you think they're going to have in this next set, though? Five. It's believable. There's going to be two at common. They're going to be zero fours. And then uh, that's it. As long as you have one on the board, you can't die. 
Yeah, what if Gideon becomes like the uh, the new pharaoh god of whatever the fuck? What's this place called? Fucking uh, uh, Amonkhet. Amonkhet. Yeah, there we go. That would totally be the kind of thing Mara would do. Yeah, it's like, oh, well, we decided that it was finally time to get rid of Nicol Bolas. So we decided to make Gideon the new god pharaoh of Amonkhet. Oh, no, no, no. Here here we go. He's going to die and then be brought back to life as a mummy, so he's going to be like a white zombie Gideon. I love white zombie. I, I like how they kept the theme of, like, the cats and Egypt and stuff like that, but then they have Bantu, the black god. He's like a big crocodile. Like, in the desert, that seemed just like a poor choice to live there. Dude, didn't you ever see that Sesame Street thing when you were a kid? You know where they go to the... Uh... Museum of History in New York, and like there's the Pharaoh kid that needs their help because he's getting his soul weighed, and if it weighs uh, more than a feather, then he gets eaten by the crocodile. What the fuck? Oh yeah, that one. Who else thinks Amenket should have just been returned to Theros? Yeah, I wish the gods were a little bit better, but I still have hope for the green one. People are playing the red one. Uh, I I'm kind of glad that they did gods not in a theros enchantment kind of way so from that aspect i uh, yeah okay it's i'm i'm happy about that but they're pretty much the same thing they're conditional to be able to attack and block with them but some of them are whack i almost like the devotion over that I'll give him one thing. The fact that they leaked this so far before spoiler season started makes me not so miserable that we're talking about these spoilers right now. Because usually I'd be like, why the fuck are we talking about spoilers? Let's just talk about it when the whole set comes out. But I'm I'm feeling engaged right now. Yeah. You cut out, John. Anyway, everyone's all the art and everything's been geared towards Nicol Bolas. You finally get to see him, so I think it's it's kind of cool. Yeah, there was talk that he wasn't going to be in the block at all. I'd have been fucking pissed. We get all this build up, we get the fucking Bolas lands, and then no actual Nicol Bolas in well, the block. Well, how fucked up is it that we've seen this Nicol Bolas before we see the Arch Enemy one? And I think the Arch Enemy one drops before uh, Hour of Devastation does, right? All right. I don't know about that actually. What if? The because obviously this isn't going to be a standard staple. What if it was just the same card? Mm. <laughs> that would be such a slap in the face, dude. <laughs> Is this yeah, nickel boss better than the other other one? Other one? Nah. Nah, yeah, well, dude. The other Nicobolas, the other Nicobolas is so so good, but it is harder to cast. It's gonna be, it's gonna be weird to see how this plays out. Like if there's a deck that plays big stuff, like when when uh, Ugin was around, there this guy will be played. But if not, then then maybe not. There might be some ramp deck. You know, there's this, there's those cards that you get to search your library for any card for every tap creature you have or something like that. And while there's vehicles still in standard, you could just tap all your guys into the vehicles and then go get three more lands. It doesn't seem terrible. Okay, just to kind of clarify on this, the Arch Enemy Nickel Bolas drops on June 16th. So as of this recording, we're less than two weeks out, and we still don't know shit about it. 
And then we mysteriously leak this other bolus. Hmm. Hmm. Who says there's going to be a nickel hmm. bolus in there just because the the way that the packaging is? Or did they say there was going to be a nickel bolus in that too? Well, the entire thing is that, like, you know, it's players versus a player that's allegedly going to be Nicol Bolas. So I guess you're right. There might not actually be a Bolas card in there, you know, like a, a, you know, a templated one that's like a normal template. You know, it might be one of those stupid oversized cards or something. Could be. Could be. Whatever happened. So continuing. Did anything ever happen to Garrick? He just went insane and then no one killed him or anything? He just Yeah, you know, where the fuck is he? Yeah, he's been gone for a while now, since what was it, M fifteen? Yeah, that was the whole Garrick set. The whole packaging and everything was just like evil Garrick. I, you know, it's like what the Yeah, fuck? he went he went crazy, he wanted to kill planeswalkers, and then we never saw him again. Is he still wearing the veil? Or did Liliana get that back? I don't know. Uh, I think Liliana got the veil back because the veil was part of her thing to kill that second demon. Am I right on that? Sounds perfect because she had to, uh, she owed him, owed a demon the dead or something like that. So she went and killed him. So. Fuck you. Give me superpowers and I'm just going to kill you. I'm not paying you. It's fucking terrible. Crack, crack dealer move. Well, I mean, I think what really is keeping him away is that they want Nissa to be in the Green Planeswalker for the Jace Watch, and I'm sure we can all presume why, but, you know, Garouk just doesn't fit into that nice uh, Planeswalker-y Super Friends team. Well, Nissa isn't going with them, is, is she? So they need a new green one. Yeah, I have no fucking idea what's going on with Nyssa and her new uh, uh, blue-green incarnation. I got no idea. She's on Ammo Cat, right? Oh, Is that yeah, cost even playable, the blue-green Nyssa? Because I no. was really excited to open one from one of my pre-release prize packs. But then I was looking at it, and I was just like, what deck wants this? It's well, not I- Marvel. I have a good story about that. So ever since she was spoiled, I actually wanted to play her in a modern miracles deck. I thought, all right, this could be like the last card, right? That that modern needs to to make miracles viable because you know she's got that plus to scry two every turn. So I actually built a Bant miracles deck. What was this two weeks ago now? And I played it at my local store, and yeah, I got fucking rolled. It was not good at all. Casting her on turn three and then plusing her up did. Didn't really do jack shit, so from a modern perspective, no, nah, she's she's not there. Yeah, I mean, why would you what ever run miracles this are you playing in Bant Miracles besides obviously like Terminus and Entreat the Angels? Because none yeah, of the green miracles were good and like constructed. No, it was really just those two. I was considering doing the one white one that was put any permanent on the bottom of its owner's library, but I decided against it. But yeah, it, she was she was not good in modern. I was not playing mana dork, so I couldn't never drop her on turn two. That was a possibility, but overall, she was very underwhelming. You think there's a, a deck there with with like the Oath of Jaces and shit like that, so you're scrying a bunch right, right into your miracles? Or I, I think that the concept of miracles in modern just isn't 
it's not there because you're you're relying a lot on your opponent having a lot of creatures and then you you know terminusing them or whatever. I just but, I just heard a gigantic scream coming out of Ohio. Huh? It's a it's a dig at somebody, but I don't think anyone's catching a reference. <laughs> oh come on! Who's the king of modern? Oh fucking fuck Lawrence, dude! How dare you bring up Lawrence on this show? I didn't mention him by name. Yeah, but I know who you're talking about now because we're talking about miracles. Jason Roskam, you have made a powerful enemy today. Yeah, well, uh, add him to the <laughs> add him to the list. I've got plenty, so sure. I mean, like, honestly, though, even if you were running Miracles, why would you ever run this one over Kiora? Fair uh, enough, man. Th- I mean, this grind really kind of caught my eye. When she was first spoiled, I'm like, ooh, plus one to, to scry two. All right, I'll give this a shot. Didn't really work out. Scry two is a really powerful uh, ability, man. It's like scry two cards are always playable. Scry three, nobody ever played that, and Scry one is just like whatever. Isn't it crazy right now? There's so many powerful cards, but there's no decks for them. So I mean, like, will there ever be decks for these cards? I don't remember no. standard ever being like that, where you're like, wow, this fucking insane card. Like Kalitas isn't being played right now. That card's fucking nuts as fuck. Well, you know, I think Theros is kind of the ultimate set for that, where there's a lot of good cards, but they're just not playable. Yeah, it's a good K- point. Kalitas makes zombies. Am I fucking? It does. It makes fucking zombie tokens, and it's a zombie, but nobody plays it in the zombie deck. Maybe it's a sideboard card against zombies, though, because back when I played Green Black Delirium in Standard, I never mainboarded Kalitas. He was always a sideboard oh. card. The thing is, is that like right now, standard is in such a meta-dependent state that you're not even playing your deck; you're playing against, you know, Aetherworks Marvel, <laughs> whatever happens to be the one at the moment that isn't banned. So, you know, the, this is the problem, which is why we shouldn't have these overpowered decks in standard, is because it just gives no space for good cards to breathe. Does Kalitas exile your own creatures or just your opponents? I said, just your opponents. So that would be so great to play in zombies. You're just like, fuck your zombie deck. Yeah. Fuck your zombies. I'm going to make zombies out of your zombies. It, but the problem with that is that, you know, if you've got something on the stack that exiles them, then you just kill your own zombies to get them back or do whatever your interaction is. So we're in agreement that Standard should be playing more powerful cards. <laughs> Well, it sucks, man. Well, I think that standard right now is more about the synergy than overtly powerful cards. Like, yes, you have Ulamog, who is like, you know, you can tell by just reading the card that he's busted. But you can't play him unless it's with Aetherworks Marvel, because he costs 10 mana. And that is like a sign that synergy is more important right now than overt power. Like, you don't have a, just a Jun mid-range deck that's like, okay, well, here's all the good cards of this color. Like, standard decks in this meta, like, are all cards that aren't so strong on their own, but when paired with each other. Like, what are you going to do in an Aetherworks Marvel deck if you're just going to play it in, like, an aggro deck? Nothing. If you're well, just going to play Aetherworks Marvel as, like, your fucking 
59th and 60th card and just a regular aggro deck, people would be like, oh, you're a fucking idiot, man. Well, the problem with Marvel is that the combo still works. It's just going to work with a less powerful creature than Ulamog. I mean, you know, take any freaking card out there that you can hit, you know, that's got a gigantic attack and gigantic ass on it, and, you know, that's what it shifts to. I don't think so. I think the the reason Ulamog is so great is because you exile two of their permanents. It, you stabilize when you, when, you, when you do hit it. I think you get a big creature out there. These little weenie decks going wider are still just going to run over you. I mean, I think you need something so you, to have like you don't think it impact the board. You don't think that uh, it makes the gear hulks better. We'll see. There you go. That that immediately impacts the board. I would play the 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 blue one, and then you get a spell as well. So it's like blah blah blah. It'd be nice. Or the black one. I mean, you know, marveling into that one's pretty sweet. Killing something. Yeah. Truth yeah, juice. But that might not be good enough because you. you Good thing about getting Ulamog is you can exile their Planeswalker that's fucking you up, or that they're like their other Marvel, the other team, the other guy's Marvel. So it's like it's so much more useful. Whereas you just destroy a creature with their, your Noxious Gear Hulk, then you're not in as great of a situation. I think this Nicol Bolas is pretty playable. Fuck, they have to deal with that, and you're you're going to be spinning the Marvel again in a, in a couple turns. I love it. Maybe you're right, man. I just, I don't know. I don't see it with Nicol Bolas. If something costs seven mana, typically, like, when's the last time you saw, like, a seven mana card played in Standard? But I guess with Marvel, you could play it, like, as soon as, like, turn four. Well, so. people were hardcasting Ulamogs and shit in the Marvel deck if, if their Marvel gets destroyed. I mean, it, you eventually get there. But, I mean, this is way cheaper than that, 11. What about the Grixis control deck, that one Pro Tour Kaladesh? Like, do you think that could play? Nah, that's like too nope. that's too uh-huh. rigid in control. Like, you can't just play like a win condition like that and give up some of your removal cards. It's tough because there's so many recursive threats in the zombies deck and it, they go so wide. You have to have something to like exile and deal with that shit but then that slows but that's down. what nickel bolus does he exiles the shit out of shit dude yeah i think he's good fuck maybe you're right maybe you're right or maybe it's just the beer talking i don't know so this bontu's last reckoning you think that won't be good in standard. What if you're running zombies and you don't mind if all your creatures die? You're just like, blam, wipe their board and you destroy all their shit. And now you're like, next turn, by you know. It, it's probably it's probably a very meta-dependent spell, right? I mean, if, if the meta is dominated by zombie decks, then obviously it's not going to do you very good. But if it's, I mean, other creature-based decks, I don't know, fucking humans or something, they could be good, right? <laughs> yeah, if there's a humans deck out there. Well, people were saying blue-black control is going to be a thing. So there are tons of counters that, with this. So you could, like, wipe the board and then <coughs> slow them down, I guess, until you can get to your gear hulks and shit. Yeah, fair enough. The fact is, is there's so many strategies that are powerful, but are they viable? Like, Mardu Fabricate is a powerful strategy, but is it viable? Probably not. I think they 
they only printed it in one set, and there wasn't like mass amount of them. And there's not a good. But do you remember when we played like a while ago on MTGO against the deck that was freaking using refurbish on Gear Hulks? Like it was really strong, but you don't see that deck anywhere. Yeah. They yeah. designed standards specifically so there will be demand for just one, you know, deck so that card shops can pretty much name their price on the cards you need to build that deck. And then they get banned. <laughs> Vicious. Yeah. See, I don't know. I think they try to develop a healthy standard. And then when, once it goes out there, there's thousands of games being played on MTGO okay. within weeks the, and shit. I, I got to dispute you because Kaladesh is kind of the confirmation of all our, of our worst fears. This was top-down designed, and making a good standard was totally secondary to meeting the vision of the design. And I don't think anybody can deny that. Yeah, that's no, right. You're right, yeah. Totally right. So I think Bontu's Last Reckoning is like, like a re- release valve on all these aggro strategies because they're like, fuck it, we need we need to have a cheap board wipe. But there's plenty of board wipes out there already, or things that effectively do a board wipe against you know like humans or zombies or whatever. This just being so cheap is so fucking good. Like you can just play a late game, like just attack in with everything, you play late game, then buy a couple of your zombies back, like. So, would you say this card is better or worse than Radiant Flames? Because to me, Radiant Flames is like the most efficient board wipe in Standard right now. Yeah, I don't know. I guess this is only in a, you know, one or two color deck. If you're playing three colors, but... And yeah, and you're never going to play this on turn three. And then time walk yourself. Nope. Like, no, <laughs> never. I think it's good in an aggro strategy because, like, especially if you can buy back your guys, fuck it. Like, Scrap Heap Scrounger becomes better, shit like this. Well, I mean, in a in a world with Fatal Push in standard, I mean, you could always play a swamp and have Fatal Push up for your turn four. I don't know. Or blue, you could play it on five and, like, have one and a blue up. Okay, well, since we've talked about 45 minutes now of Tim trying to convince us this card is okay, Sid, did you have something else that you wanted to talk about? Don't you have a top 10 list for us, Sid? Yeah, (laughs) I don't want to do that. We've already talked about magic for more than half the show. (laughs) Oh, Oh, man, I I thought that was like a pro-level transition. You guys have anything you want to talk about? Video games? So we're just going to make this episode totally about magic? Fine. Back by no demand whatsoever is the fucking top 10 list. Sid's top 10. Hey, no, do not, do not. I'm not the person who came up with top 10 lists. This is just an idea. We're not going to say who had it, but we have another top 10 list. It's Magic and Hash's top 10. You got to own this shit show with me, okay? Sid's version of Magic and Hash's top 10. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so this week we're talking about the top 10 cards that are skill intensive cards. So basically these cards are very good, but only in the hands of people who know what the fuck they're doing. These are not for novice magic players. You've got to, you've really got to know how your deck works and how the game works in order to get the most out of these cards. So let's get right into it. Number Number 10. Number 10. Oblivion Stone. Oblivion Stone is a three-mana artifact. 
4 mana, tap. Put a fate counter on target permanent. 5 mana, tap. Sacrifice Oblivion Stone. Destroy each non-land permanent without a fate counter on it, then remove all fate counters from all permanents. Oblivion Stone, of course, being the main board wipe of Tron that has the trick text on it to put fate counters on permanents you control. Being a Tron player, I'm gonna tell you that you almost never put a fate counter on anything, especially because you have to tap it. Like if you could just put fate counters on stuff without tapping it, then yeah, it would be a thing. But I feel like people put fate counters on stuff because they're afraid to lose what they have and they end up just getting killed before the Oblivion Stone does what it needs to do. Yeah, isn't it there just to kind of threaten them so they don't go keep playing threats? You're like, just slow the game down a little bit. And then once you use it, you're like, blam, now I'm going to Tron out and get the fucking... I don't know, half the time when I would play Tron, I would just kind of, I would get be in a situation where it's like, I have to Oblivion Stone now or I'm going to fucking die. So I'd cast Oblivion Stone and then use it that turn because you have to wipe the board. It's I Most situations I find, I play it and use it in the same turn. Yeah, that's right. But that's because you are smart enough to know that's what you need to do. But some people, they're either too dumb or too greedy to not use the fake counter ability. And if you use the fake counter ability, you're going to have a bad time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing better than when you're playing tron and that thing comes up and they're wasting a lot of mana to fucking put fate counters on stuff because then you pretty much know that they don't have what they need in their hand they're trying to drag it out they're trying to buy time and you know it's it's pretty it's almost like you're telling on yourself when you start doing that oh yeah for sure Uh, yeah yeah, because if you've already if you've got this out and you've got the the time to put counters on it or put counters on your permanence then you're either just fucking winning the game anyway or you're so far behind it's not even funny Hashtag con Fifi. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh, God. We've only got one on the list in tens already. Fucking high as a kite. Here we go. Moving along. Number nine. Get familiar. My, my leather jacket thriller. The show ain't at the miller. Man, I'm a lady killer. If I want her, I'm a stiller. I'm not going to say it until somebody else. Thank you, Tim. Somebody else is saying nine, too. We all go nine. Number nine. Nine. All right, this is another Tron card, Ancient Stirrings. Ancient Stirrings, one green sorcery. Look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal a colorless card from among them and put that into your hand. Then put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. A land counts as colorless. Now, this being a one mana spell, a lot of people rush to play it right away. And sometimes you know exactly what you need but most of the time, you should never play Ancient Stirrings on turn one. You should play like Expedition Map or something because Ancient Stirrings is such a utility card that you kind of want to save it until later in the game so you'll know what the Stirrings for. But yeah, some I mean, people are just all like, fuck it, I'm gonna Stirrings right now to get like a land. Yeah, if, if you're Stirrings on turn one, I don't care what deck you're playing, you're already like way behind. Because most of the time you're playing this in a Tron deck, and if you're playing a green source on turn one, it's it's bad news right from the start. That's interesting you should say that. 
why is playing a green source on, like an untapped green source on turn one kind of the kiss of death? I mean, if you're playing Tron, obviously you want to get to Tron. You want to get your three Urza lands out. So you don't want to be playing a fucking green source on turn one because that means you're not going Tron until at least turn four. Yeah, we're talking modern, especially now. an untapped green source of that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because I mean, like on Tron, if you're not like pretty much emptying out your hand by turn or two, then you're behind. Tim. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> You're the one that said this card. You gotta have something better than a green. <laughs> no, it's good. I, I think it, it's uh, you're setting up your plays. You, you really need to know what you're doing. Fair. Number eight. Number eight. Eight nine. <laughs> I love it, John. All right. <laughs> Brainstorm. Brainstorm. One blue for an instant. Draw three cards, then put two cards from your hand on top of your library in any order. Brainstorm is kind of one of those blue cards that makes you think that you're drawing cards because it says draw three cards on it. But at the end of the day, you're actually losing a card. So uh, a lot of people will just brainstorm arbitrarily. And in my opinion, it's only good to brainstorm when you have cards in your hand you don't want, and you have a fetch land on board that's able to shuffle them away. Yeah, and uh, it's insane with fetch lands and all sorts of shit. It's great. Now, I will say in Brainstorm's defense, Brainstorm used to be a lot better before, I don't know, like maybe uh, Theros, you know, before they reprinted the fetches, before scrying became a thing. So it's kind of an old school good card that isn't as good anymore. So sometimes you'll see people that are just like really fucking attached to this and like they'll throw out Brainstorm and just like start doing an evil little giggle and shit because, you know, five years ago, ten years ago, it was good. People just like playing with cards that are banned in other formats. They're like, this is so powerful, but I mean, it's not always the case. Well, see, it here's the thing is brainstorm banned or restricted in any formats i'm not sure of that modern well it would not be... even modern legal yeah there was no yeah, it's not modern legal but... mercadian masks i think was the last printing of brainstorm which is legacy legal Bandits it might be restricted really? vintage though they've printed that fucker a few times though frontier Frontier, dog. Frontier. Whatever happened to Frontier? Did that ever like become a thing? I haven't heard about Frontier in a long oh, time. Oh, it's closing in on tiny leaders. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Brainstorm is restricted in vintage. Okay, yeah, so it is restricted in vintage. And there's a good reason for that, man, because with fetch lands, brainstorm is a really powerful effect. That type of card selection. The most powerful thing about Brainstorm is you're able to get rid of the cards that you don't want. It's not so much about getting the cards you do want, but getting rid of the cards you don't want. Right, and I think that's a big mistake that new legacy players will make, is they'll they'll brainstorm on one or two without having a fetch land online ready to shuffle away those cards that you didn't want that you put back on top of your deck. So as far as skill goes and the whole reason of this top 10 list, yeah, that's that's why it's on here because you really have to think about it. Think about the cards you're putting back on top, thinking about shuffling them away if they're shit cards that you don't really need right now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, fuck yep. you, tell him. Yeah. <laughs> tell him, dude, Roscom is... He's a wise Master Yoda motherfucker, dude. 
Number seven. No, this is this is where you where you put in the uh, the thing from Chappelle's show. Seven. Put up a shut up. Time to double up. It'll take everybody money. Seven. 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 What y'all know about seven? Pay me. Boy, you are the goddamn devil. Seven. 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 Let me get a seven and seven. We all know about seven. Pay me. Serum visions. Serum visions. One blue for a sorcery. Draw a card. Scry two. So, this is a card that only sees play because Preordain got banned in Modern. This and is a poor game's brainstorm. It really is. It really is. But even then, people still play it wrong all the time. Serum so how should, how should it be played? So, a Serum Visions is kind of the opposite of a brainstorm. In a brainstorm, you kind of want to have a plan. Serum Visions is something that you play when you don't have anything else to do. This is a great card to play on turn one, and it's also a great card to play in Storm, but not on the turn you're going off. It's trying to get you to where you want to be. I feel like a lot of people will play Serum Visions in a Storm deck and waste crucial mana that they could have spent on doing something that is a little bit more powerful for Storm, like a Faithless Looting, or even a Lightning Bolt. Yeah. Isn't it good for, like, those decks that were playing all the free shit for a while, but then they got rid of, uh... G-Probe. Yeah. But, I mean, it went right right hand-in-hand hand with shit like that, where you're just... Yeah, like, I mean, this, this essentially replaces uh, G-Probe as your turn one uh, cantrip, and that's about it. And it's a lot worse than Jataxian Probe, too. I would almost go as far to say that it's a skill test to put Serum Visions in your deck. Because it hasn't seen a good printing in a long time, I think people overestimate what the power of it is because it's like an $8 common. And people play it in blue decks that they have no business playing in it because it's not a good card. It's only good in some decks. And even then, it's never great. But I will say, in its defense, the best reprint of Serum Visions is the one with the jizz going straight at the face. Serum jizzums. <laughs> Dude, that jizz is going straight into the eyes, too. And, I mean, I wouldn't know this for any reason, but that's really painful. <laughs> thinking, what were they thinking? Like, oh, these are my thoughts coming out of my head. It looks like jizz. I mean, that was a terrible artistic choice, I think. But people were stoked. People were so stoked that Serum Visions got reprinted that they didn't care that it was a facial cum shot. Yeah, you would have thought it was Eric Mesa. Seriously. And it's not a good card. It's not. But people were so stoked because some decks played it. Yeah. Fuck, who, who said Serum Visions for this list? That was a horrible idea. Number six. Hi, I'm looking for six. Six, 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 nine. Six, 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 the number of the beast! Alright. Dark Confidant, also known as Bob. Dark Confidant. One, one black for a two, one creature human wizard. At the beginning of your upkeep, reveal the top card of your library and put that card into your hand. You lose life equal to that card's converted mana cost. This is a card... You know, it takes a lot of balls to fucking play a Dark Confidant. 
There are many times where people have died to their own dark confidants, and it's not necessarily because they're bad. It's because they're unlucky. But truth is, if you're not a skillful player and you don't know much about your deck, Dark Confidant is gonna fuck you. Yeah, the yeah. best way that it fucks people is when you're playing like a uh, cube draft on MTGO. You know, one of those ones where there's like, you know, five or six mythic rares in there. And you see somebody throw out Bob on turn one and they totally forgot that they've got all these gigantic other fucking mythic rares and other stuff in there. And the realization is they panic trying to get rid of it. It's just glorious. Yeah, Bob's Bob's kind of a uh, skill intensive when it comes to actually building a deck. Less when you're actually playing a deck because not much skill goes into the actual process of playing Bob himself. But it's when you're building your deck is when the the skill comes into play. I love when you can deal with the other threats they're playing or dealing with, and their Bob is just slowly killing them. And you're like, yeah, fucking, there you go, buddy. I remember the days of playing Jund back in old the uh, old modern before they banned fucking everything from Jund. And yeah, you'd be dealing so much damage to yourself between Bob, Fetchlands, Thoughtseize, but you still fucking won 75% of your games, which is great. Now, I am going to go against Jason a little bit here because there actually is a little bit of skill with Bob because I, I think it's one of those cards that I call a teaching card because you really have to kind of understand the uh, untap, upkeep, draw, and then also how shit goes on to the stack if you're running Bob, uh, especially in some kind of like crazy environment. Because people tend to just kind of like gloss straight through that and go into main and then do the whole, you know, damage and all that shit. But, you know, there's a lot of ways that you can use that trigger going onto the stack against the player. Oh, sure, but those people are fucking idiots and they shouldn't be playing modern anyway. Well, I would say in modern, you can build your deck to where Bob is going to be a very easy card. But I'm with John. Like, in order to play this, in a limited format like for example you have uh modern masters 2 bob was in that set and that's one time i remember that i fucked up by playing bob in my deck i didn't think i would because i was black red aggro but i realized i had no way to get rid of bob i didn't play my bone splinters main board and without a way to get rid of bob you can just die to it <laughs> yeah number five Number five, five, number five. Cinco. Golden rings. Birthing pod. Birthing pod. Three and one Phyrexian green. So basically three for an artifact. One and one Phyrexian green. So basically one and tap. Sacrifice a creature. Search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost equal to one plus that sacrifice creature's converted mana cost. Put that card onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Activate this ability anytime you could activate a sorcery. So this is a card that some people may not remember because it's been banned out of modern for so long now. But the fact is, is back in the day, this card was a fucking house but the deck that you played it in was so fucking convoluted and complicated that new players would see the kind of numbers the kind of top eights and the tournaments that would be won with these birthing pod decks and they'd be like oh cool well i'm just gonna play birthing pod and then realize that they wasted like fucking six hundred dollars because they did not have enough skill to play a birthing pod deck 
I've got a good story about birthing pod. So I was playing against a pod player. This guy, he only played pod in modern. This was before it was banned, obviously. And I was playing, I think it was Jund at the time, actually. And I was played a shitload of discard spells. I had him down to where all he had on the board was a birthing pod, maybe five lands, no cards in hand. And I had him dead in two turns. So I'm like, all right, I got this easy. He top decks a card. I can't remember what it was, but it was a creature. He plays it, activates pod, does some shit where he's able to untap pod, retap it. And next thing I know, I was dead. All he had on the board was birthing pod lands. And then he top deck a creature and then he won. But that's because he knew how his deck worked. He knew which cards to fetch to keep the cycle going. And uh, it was devastating. And the fact is, is it's easy to win with birthing pod on a board where you can play like Kitchen Finks and Malira and get infinite life or play Malira and was it Red Cap? The murderous God, Red I forget Cap. his name. Murderous yeah, Red Murderous Red Cap. Like, yeah, that was easy, but there were ways that Pod was like such a toolbox. You could get the answer to any question. But the thing is, is you had to know the question you were being asked. And oftentimes, if you didn't have a really strong knowledge of the meta where you were, then it kind of like, if you just net decked a pod list based off of like some GP or some magic online meta, and you would take it to your local game store, you'd be thinking that you're walking in there with a tier one deck and you're unbeatable and you just lose like Splinter Twin or Tron or even some kind of rogue deck like blue-black Eldrazi. Oh yeah, you, you well, have yeah. to know what's in the deck, you have to know how to use pod, when to use pod, what to sacrifice. It's yeah, very skill-intensive, d- despite yeah, the it, fact that it was dominating modern. Part of the deck-building skill with this is, at the end of the day, it's only an artifact. So, you know, I see a lot of people, you know, back when it was played in modern, where it's a one-trick pony deck. And if somebody throws something out there that hurts artifacts or, you know, like War's Wage or something like that, they just do not know how to respond with it because they're so dialed in to uh, doing the combos to get their shit out. Right. Yeah, it's like, how, how do you work without your pod? If you don't draw a pod or somebody finds a way to, you know, make it unusable, then what do you do? Well, I mean... I think the the creatures in that deck could win the game without pot a lot of the time. Like a bunch of kitchen finxes and shit just beating you down. Well, true, but again, that that depends more on the skill of the player than anything else. Right. God forbid you actually have to draw your cards instead of search for them. I know, right? Number four. Quattro! Oh! Nine. Vendillion Click. Bindillion click. One blue blue for a 3-1 legendary creature fairy wizard. Flash flying. When Vendillion click comes into play, look at target player's hand. You may choose a non-land card from it. If you do, that player reveals the chosen card, puts it on the bottom of his or her library, then draws a card. Now, this is a card that it's almost a trap because if you're new to magic, you see... 3-1 flying for 3 mana, and that looks like a very aggressive card, and don't get me wrong, sometimes you can just beat your opponent down with a Vendillion click. And then it also has the text on it where target player reveals their, or you look at target player's hand, and you pick a card from it, they reveal it, and put it on the bottom of their library, and they draw a card. A lot of people only think that they should do this to their opponent, to get like a card out of their hand that would be hard to handle if it resolved. 
But a lot of people don't realize that you can Vendillion click yourself. Also, people don't know when to play Vendillion click. They want to play it like at the end of the turn because it has flash and most cards with flash you play on your opponent's instep but the fact is is you're supposed to play vendillion click on the draw step because they've already drawn their card for the turn so you get the most information without them being able to cast anything sorcery speed so vendillion click is a very technically uh demanding card yeah it's dressed up as a simple aggro card at the time you play it too you can really fuck up their turn so it's like, and then you're swinging with three, three one flyer. Then like when when you untap, it's great. Yeah, V click versus Bob is a really good matchup. You know, especially when you see him take that big uh, life hit. Oh, that's the perfect time to flash that in. Number three. That's so weird. I figured we'd have more stuff to say about Vendillion <laughs> Click, but I think I said most of it. Yeah. Anyways, number three is Sylvan Library. Sylvan Library, one and one green for an enchantment. I don't know what it does. Now, previously on Magic and Hash, we talked about, maybe it wasn't even on Magic and Hash, maybe it was just when me and Tim were cubing. We got a Sylvan Library kind of late, and both of us knew that that card was really powerful and it shouldn't have gone so late, but we didn't want to pick it, even though we were in green, because Sylvan Library is kind of a hard card to play with, man. Yeah, I was high and there's a lot of text on it, so. I'll like pass right and i think a lot of the confusion just comes from the text itself because it's not very clear what you're exactly doing with sylvan library i think that they've kind of they've clarified it in later what the hell is it the uh oracle text. Oracle, oracle text yeah yeah but i mean just reading the card especially the first printing you're it's a little bit uh misleading i guess so you basically do you get two extra cards on top of your draw step or in, instead of your draw step you, you draw two and if you want to keep one of them you lose two life or four life if you want to keep both of them what how's it work yeah it's, it's very wordy though it's unnecessarily wordy and, and that's where a lot of the confusion comes in i'm confused right now shit but if you know how to play Sylvan Library, and I've run into people that know how to play their Sylvan Libraries, you don't win. Like, because they're gonna always play it perfectly. They're not gonna fuck up. They're always gonna get great card advantage, and it's combined with green, which is a good card drawing color. But when you get something that's powerful, like Sylvan Library seems like it should be a blue card, but you combine it with the power of green creatures, it's a very good card, but you have to be a good player and maybe even an old player in order to be able to pull it off. So I'm not gonna lie, I'm not afraid to admit I'm not good enough to do a Sylvan Library perfectly. So if you know how to use Sylvan Library, or even know what the card does, please email us at magicnash at gmail.com. Uh, it says, at the beginning of your draw step, you may draw two additional cards. If you do, choose two cards in your hand drawn this turn, so that could be the, the first card as well. For each of those cards, pay for life, or put the card on top of your library. So you basically get uh, three cards, and then you can put two of them back on top of your library to save life or else you, you're losing a shit ton of life. Oh. It's it's kind of scary reading reading it. You're like, I don't know. That doesn't seem great. Well, once again, this is also a great card where I, I, I really think, you know, if you see someone drop this thing out and you don't know what it does or how it works, you need to call a judge instantly for the Oracle and have them explain it to you because the guy who's playing it probably knows what he's doing. 
and you know the idea that there's a couple of interactions in there where you have a say in how this goes on possibly you know that's something that you need to be able to be brave enough to you know stand up for this old fuck who's running sylvan library yep all right number two Always remember to wipe your ass after a number two. Sensei's Divining Top. Sensei's Divining Top. One colorless mana for an artifact. One colorless mana. Look at the top three cards of your library, then put them back in any order. Tap, draw a card, then put Sensei's Divining Top on top of its owner's library. (sighs) Holy fuck, I hate this card. And most people that play it can't play it worth a shit. How many times have you been playing on MTGO and seeing that somebody put a Sensei's Dividing Top in your deck and knew that you were going to win because you were ahead of them on the clock? I know I've been there at least a handful of times. Yeah, and you don't want to be an asshole, but you're like, man, come on. Again, you're going to spin that fucking shit. And fuck them if they play Sensei's Dividing Top in Commander. Because, you know, they're just wasting everybody's time. Yeah, I mean, at this point, what formats can you even play top in? I mean, it's banned in Legacy now, so what, Vintage and Commander? Was it banned in Legacy because it was too good? No, it was banned in Legacy because it was too annoying and too much of a waste of time. Yes. Uh, I'm going to spin top in response. Well, and part of the thing, too, is like people throw this thing out there like turn one and then they don't use it until they're in trouble so when they should be using it you know because they've got a shitty hand or something like that they're not and then they see that they're not where they need to be they start panicking they start you know fucking spinning it cycling it however you want to put it and then that's where the issues creep in if you're using it the way you're supposed to you're never going to be in that position this is a rare occasion i agree with john Holy shit, that just goes to show you how much of a pain in the ass Sensei's Divining Top is. And we discussed pre-show what the number one card is, so how about some honorable mentions? Anybody got an honorable mention? Yeah, um, I want to nominate Island. That, that card's just tricky to play in general. You know, fucking... Fuck that, I'm an aggro player. There was a blue aggro deck, like uh, Pro Tour Theros, I think, the blue aggro deck won. Yeah, it played too many counter spells for me. I tried it. I was... Fuck. I got a honorable mention. How about Ensnaring Bridge? Ensnaring Bridge. Three colorless for an artifact. Creatures with power greater than the number of cards in your hand can attack. Mike, drop. Yeah, you kind of got to have to have a plan to kill your opponent that doesn't involve attacking if you're going to play an Ensnaring Bridge deck. What about Bridge from Below? Bridge from Below. Black, black, black for an enchantment. Whenever a non-token creature is put into your graveyard from play, if Bridge from Below is in your graveyard, put a 2-2 black zombie creature token into play. Whenever a creature is put into an opponent's graveyard from play, if Bridge from Below is in your graveyard, exile it. Motherfucker. Oh yeah, that's another one. Bridge from Below is a pretty complicated card too, but the fact is, is like, if you know how to play the dredge deck, then a uh, bridge from below is going to make sense. And all it takes is playing it one time to realize how fucking powerful that card is. Uh, here's another honorable mention, Tangle Wire. Tangle Wire, three colors for an artifact, fading four. 
At the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player taps an untapped artifact creature or land he or she controls for each fade counter on Tanglewire. Keep in mind, you can tap Tanglewire. God, fuck Tanglewire, dude. <laughs> I mean, like, the number of people I see that, like, draft this on MTGO and then put it out there and have just no fucking idea how it works. Or how about the people that play a Tangle Wire and then once the fade counters are run out, then you just fucking maul them. And <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. All I did was just buy them time until the inevitable thing happened where well, they got it, their asses kicked. And if you're in that position, it's actually buying the opponent time, you know, because they're still getting card advantage, presumably, during this. And then when it's gone, they're just going to be able to smack the shit out of you. But if you know how to play it right, it is a good magic card. Alright, what's number one, Sid? Number one. Number one is Thoughtseize. Thoughtseize, one black for a sorcery. Target player reveals their hand. You choose a non-land card from it, that player discards that card. You lose two life. Flavor text, suck a motherfucking dick. Thoughtseize is obviously a staple in any black deck. It's played in Legacy, it's played in Vintage, and especially played in Modern. But Thoughtseize is not like a guaranteed win. It can be if you know what you're doing. You have to have a very good knowledge of your meta. And I feel like a lot of people are hasty to run a Thoughtseize out on turn one because the type of decks that you play it in don't really have many one drops you want to play on turn one. They're like kind of like Jund, where your one drops are like Lightning Bolts and Inquisition of Kozilek. By the way, like if you have a Thought Seize in your hand and an Inquisition of Kozilek, which one are you supposed to play on turn one, anyways? I don't know. Yeah, that is, I mean, is kind of tricky because you don't know what deck you're playing. You kind of need some information before you run that, the other one out yeah. there. Yeah. I mean, me personally, in the blind, if I don't know what I'm playing against, I'll always run Inquisition first. But the more information you have, the better you can utilize your Thoughtseize. There is absolutely nothing better than on turn one, where they fetch into a shock into a Thoughtseize. That is just the most fucking scrub combo in all of Magic the Gathering. And then they see you're playing Burn, and they just scoop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to suspend this Rift Bolt Go. Yeah, I mean, Thoughtseize is, to me, probably one of the most powerful magic cards ever made. But at the same time, if you don't know what you're doing when you're Thoughtseizing, you can really fuck yourself if you don't take the right card. Yeah, because you think about it in either of these eternal formats, legacy or modern, you really have to know how your opponent's deck works in addition to your own, right? I mean, you have to look at your opponent's cards, know what his deck does, and know which card you need to take to stop him from doing what he's trying to do. Or even back when Thoughtseize was in standard, people would cast like turn one Thoughtseize and I'd be like, motherfucker. They're playing Mono Black Devotion. But then they'd look at my hand and they would take just the absolute wrong card. Like, I remember one time I was playing against Ryan, um, Sex Panther. And he, like, thought seized me and made me discard uh, the Raptor that you could just bring back from your graveyard. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to win this game. Nice. Like, why would you ever fucking thought seize the death in this Raptor? If you don't know how to play it, just play something else instead, you know? <laughs> yeah, and the other thing, too, and, you know, this is kind of like one of those 
you know, don't pee on the electric fence things. But when you're running a black deck or something that's using black, there are a lot of games that you only win with two life left. So, you know, sometimes giving up that little bit at the beginning is just totally not worth the peak. Yeah. That, that Death Shadow deck is a really good example, too. That fucking deck. Jesus Christ. So, Sid, since it's Sir. an Egyptian set, what do you do to your sacred mummy after he dies? You fucking wrap it up! All right, Sid, where can we find you? Yo, hit me up on Twitter. I actually don't have Facebook anymore, so if you've been trying to hit me up on Facebook, I'm sorry. I ran out of space on my phone, and I'm computerless at the moment. So the only way to talk to the Swami, and you can talk to me, and you can say anything you want. I'm not even going to be fucked up if you say some gay shit. Like, I'm, a, I'm down with that. Uh, the Sidmeister, at the Sidmeister, over on Twitter. And, of course... If you love us so much that you want to show us with your Patreon duggets, head on over to patreon.com forward slash magic and hash. You get early access to the show, some Patreon only exclusive stuff. And there's some shit on there that I can't even tell you about right now because uh, it's like a way to entice you to give me your money. So if you give us some money, we're going to hook you the fuck up. Guaranteed. All right. Jason Roscom. What have you been up to? Where can we find you? Uh, I'm still doing the All Things Star Wars podcast. Just search for All Things Star Wars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm also at Darth Roscom on Twitter. That's about it, man. All Star Wars all the time. John? Well, okay, fuckers. I am going to be fleeing the country next Monday for about a week because I got some issues back here. But uh, after that, you can probably find me passed out on a park bench in front of City Hall emulating uh, one of our city councilmen here in San Antonio. All right. And I want to give a shout out to our new Patreon member, Jeff Bauer. Thank you. What's up, Jeff? Hit us up at magicandhash at gmail.com with all your inquiries. Magic underscore Timmy on Twitter, Tim Kempter on Facebook. Hit any of us up, we'll add you to our Facebook group. Thanks for getting blissed with us. Peace out. I'm going down. I'm going down. I'm going down. I'm going down. Like eating that visa key to how we could beat global hunger Achieve total peace on earth I'm a freak, I'm a local wonder More lung capacity than Freddie Mercury Vocal numbers I plunder the briny diva spelunker Plunging and hunkering down in between those puffy pink walls Like a fallout bunker And if I never emerged out the surface Don't give me shit In 20 years I'm back like Kimmy Schmidt What's up? Hold up, wait Hold up, wait Cause I really gotta say one thing straight I'm not chowing on the choke Just so that you'll reciprocate I just go in Maybe make Rick Moranis be in the Ghostbusters sequel One taste and I'm willing God bless, God bless.
Until you quiver, I will not Plus each inch of my body's numb except for the tip of my tongue in each Wikipedia topics printed in microscopic raised ink on your clips or the single option I got to know something about this wonderful glow that we come from So locate your swollen bean and then probe the folds of it fiendishly till you come about infinity times And baby that isn't a crime I'm going down It'd be a mockery glossing over fellatio Meaning that really fuck it quick I gotta touch on sucking Jam the crotch of a man in my jaw and softly massage it. Fellas, vomit like what if the sausage is smelling hella funky? Don't you watch your fucking junk beat? Of course I wouldn't devour icky salami, but that goes the same for encounter with stinky punani. So in this scenario where I brush my teeth with a penis, let's assume that the penis we're dealing with sparkles the cleanest of all. Penis, penis on the wall with those well-proportioned balls.